people um, want to feel like they're all on their own here. And the reality is that like no man is an island, of course, and that this is a relationships industry. You have to be connected to people. You have to be of service. Yeah, when when, when people just want to do everything themselves and like and you know they're they're like I can't do anything. I'm working. I'm like okay, well you're gonna fail. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we share the stories of artists struggling to climb the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Hey guys, my name is Daniel. I am your host. Thank you so much for joining us for another week with another interview. We're so excited to have you. Just a quick reminder to make sure you leave a iTunes review for us. Five stars would be great and a nice comment. This just helps us get seen more on iTunes so people learn more about the show. We can grow as a community. Make sure you're telling other people about it. Make sure you're emailing us your set pics, your behind-the-scenes pictures, your production meeting pictures, your working pictures, your hustle pictures in general to hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. We want to share those on our uh, social medias, uh, Instagram, Hollywood Hustle Podcast, and Twitter, LA Hustlecast, and Facebook, Hollywood Hustle Podcast. We want to talk about all the stuff that you're doing, and we want to share it with the world. So make sure you send that to us with some information of your screen name and what's going on in the picture and what you're working on. We'd love to see it. Uh, as Michael said, we got a uh, uh, audio promo for a Kickstarter uh, that's almost up. It's uh, about to end. Make sure you uh, check it out on Kickstarter. The movie's called A Wasteland Tale. Take a look. They have a wonderful uh, About Us video that you can watch and see if you want to donate um, and just kind of give some money to an independent feature trying to make something really great. Uh, you can check out the link in the description of our podcast and uh, donate if you can or just keep an eye on the film and just support the uh, the creators behind it. So nothing really new to report here with me, just doing the uh, interview, uh, uh, interview job search thing, still working at it. I know some other people are as well. Keep up the work. You'll find something that you're meant to do. I, I promise. I'm, I'm thinking the same positivity. Um, we talked in our last Instagram Live about We've been starting to do some meditation, both Michael and I. We're using the app Headspace, the application that uh, Trevor mentioned in his uh, interview. So we highly suggest you download that if you want to look some calming meditation in the morning. It's a subscri subscription service, but they do have some free ones as well. Definitely take a look. And uh, yeah, guys, we are continuing the Inside Acting podcast series this week with their PR and social media person who is also an actress, a model, a creator, a writer. Miss Grace Gordon. Grace moved here from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, very similar to Trevor, though she just celebrated her one-year anniversary here in Los Angeles, which is huge. I talked to Grace about acting, learning to act, loving acting, how she dropped out of school at the age of 15 to pursue acting full-time, and how that looked to other people, and the conceptions of dropping out of school, and whether or not you're knowledgeable about things, or you're actually smart. We talk about books, which Grace is a huge book person. She loves reading. We talk about acting techniques. We talk about what it takes to be an actor and an actress in L.A. We talk about social media and podcasts and so much more. So grab some coffee, a good book, and enjoy this wonderful podcast with Grace Gordon. Thank you, guys. I am so excited to introduce our guest this week. She is 
a phenomenal model, actress. She does marketing. She has her own podcast. She has the Book John podcast. She's also looking into creating new podcasts. She has done several short films and other ventures, including a new one coming up called Alone with Company. She is a Philadelphia native, so she's super excited about the Eagles going to the Super Bowl, which this is going to come out afterwards, so hopefully they won. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend and just one of the nicest people in the world, Grace Gordon. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for that introduction. This has been a long time coming. It has been. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad we're finally sitting down. And I met you right when you were like starting yeah, to we put were, together the yeah, plans for the show. We were doing the Kickstarter, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were, you, I used, we, got, we talked about podcasts. We were <laughs> on set, right? Yeah, we were on set for a POV and uh, by Eric Carroll and Kurt Mega, two friends and uh, uh, fellow compatriots of the podcast. And uh, yeah, we got to chatting about podcasts and other podcasts that we love. And I'm sure we'll do, I'm going to say podcast one more time. I'm sure we'll do <laughs> podcast, podcast talk this one. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. We're super excited to have you on and kind of chat about your journey. It is your one year anniversary here in Los Angeles. Yeah, we timed this really well because February 1st, we're recording this on the 3rd. 3rd, yes. February 1st was my one year anniversary that's, here. That's awesome. Well, happy anniversary. Thank And I think you're the, in the terms of living in LA, the youngest uh, LAer that we've had in the sense of like how you've only, everybody else has lived here several years or their whole life. So we haven't had anybody, I think that's lived only here a year. So this is really exciting to kind of get your take on it. It's so fresh. Yeah, I'm sure it will be different than other people who've been kind of in the same um, world and, and, you know, doing the same routines for a long time. Though you have a very positive attitude and a bright energy about you. So I feel like I have an idea of the things that are going to be said. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. That's true. There's a lot of negativity and and jadedness around L.A. Mm -hmm. And I don't have that. So let's rewind, though, before we get into that. Let's just kind of talk about where it all began. Just tell us a little bit about your family, where you grew up, and kind of just your life as a, as a youngin. As a youngin. So I um, I grew up, I was born in New York. I grew up in between Philadelphia, Connecticut, and New York. My parents are both doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, they're divorced, and my dad lives in Connecticut. My mom in Philly. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. <laughs> um, but luckily... Uh, my parents have always been great supporters of the arts. My older sister is also an artist. She's a performance artist and um, multimedia storyteller in New York. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, much more crazy artists than I am <laughs> uh, in a great way. We're very lucky, my sister and I, mm-hmm. that even though we have a family of like scientists, mm-hmm. that um, we have had a lot of support. And, you know, we grew up with a ton of exposure to art and culture. Um, our parents met actually in Columbia Medical School oh, wow. doing a production of, um, oh my God, what was it? It was some musical. Now I can't remember. Oh, Kiss Me Kate. Okay. They met doing a production of Kiss Me Kate so in medical school. It's, it's so weird saying in medical school, performing a production of, I was like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? <laughs> no, like, I think the medical school like did a musical every year. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but that, I mean, that really, uh, that really kind of touches on just the type of people my parents are. Mm-hmm. I grew up doing community theater. I think the first time I was on stage, I was six months old <laughs> playing a uh, baby Helen Keller in like some <laughs> Helen Keller play. I believe my sister who's four years older played like toddler Helen Keller. So, <laughs> so you know, I grew up in this world right. of um, hardworking, uh, 
you know, administrator, scientist people, but I was right. always welcome to dip my toes into art and theater. If I remember, there was a review from that performance that said she felt amateurish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I deserve that. I was very green. I was very months underprepared. Old. <laughs> I didn't believe her as a baby. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! What a terrible review. <laughs> What's your first memory of imagination and creating something out of nothing? Oh my goodness. That is such a great question. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, so my sister and I, as kids, we would make videos. Mm. I mean, as early as I can remember. So I must've been three when we first started making them. I believe Matilda came out when I was around that age. And we had these characters that we did on the, the, parent the evil parents right, you know right, right. so i would think i was the guy and we would put all this makeup on i would have a mustache <laughs> and we would do these little performances for mm. my stepmom and my dad who just thought it was so funny <laughs> um and so i i mean i remember being i cannot remember a time when i wasn't creating like content with right. my sister right. um we have still have so many home videos of our like wacky little shorts and mm-hmm. it's it's delightful to look back on but awesome. you know and, and again it's like i'm very lucky that i had an older sister who facilitated that kind of um creation right. and a partner at such I was a young say, it's age. so great you had a partner to grow that with and have that fantasy and play time of, of imagination with. Absolutely. And, and, you know, my parents both worked a lot, of course, being doctors. So we also had nannies who um, our first, you know, couple nannies that I remember were also really creative, wonderful, open-hearted people who would engage with us and play with us and, you know, make videos with us. Um, and I, I just look back on all of that as like, wow, I was so lucky in such a kind of random way right. as a, you know, as a kid who would turn out to be an artist <laughs> um, to have this kind of encouragement, especially here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I meet so many wonderful, hardworking actors mm-hmm. and artists who have zero support from their families. Yeah. You know, their their parents or family, they don't even talk to them or they don't understand what they're doing at all and ask mm-hmm. all the wrong questions or tell them to quit. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, my family has really facilitated this mm-hmm. love of art and theater and culture and encourages me, like, whenever I talk to them. Yeah. And what a gift. I mean, what a gift. I don't know how people do it who right. don't have that. That's that's got to be the hardest. I know when we, when my, my then uh, fiancé, now wife, um, when we discussed moving to California, we actually stopped telling people because all you would get was, oh, the traffic and the cost. And it was just, like, it was just all negative. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I get it. I get the traffic stinks here. And it is the, the, the economic living situation is high. It's horrible. But, <laughs> but you know what? We knew that. Like, it's not like we were going blind and didn't do our research and didn't come out here and experience it, you know, firsthand before. And so it was very, that that was really tough. So it got to a point where we'd only tell certain people that were like, that is awesome. Like, you guys are going to kill it. Like, those are the people we wanted to talk to. I think that's really smart. And I certainly struggled with my own version of that, mm-hmm. whether it was my grandpa, just, you know, people want to tell me that yeah. the industry is really hard. Right. People who don't work in the industry, like, they all want to tell me how hard it is. Um, and I'm like, I don't really need your opinion on this because I've been working since I was 16 yeah. as an as an actor. So right. it's it's always kind of like, I don't really need, 
Like mm-hmm. everyone's an expert on this industry that they have nothing to do with and right. how hard it is. And, yeah. Or LA and you know yeah absolutely like you said you know there are, there are valid criticisms of LA mm-hmm. or um, people want to warn you how expensive it is and that's all true but yeah. like obviously we wouldn't be here if we weren't making an informed decision. Uh, so talk about kind of your education. You went to school. Did you do theater in school? Did you do any kind of creative stuff in school? Yeah, I would love to talk about this. And this is something that as I, you know, hope to uh, gain success and traction, I'm going to talk about a lot um, at my own education because I, you know, I went to some hippie schools for elementary school. I kind of went to like um, private uh, Montessori type schools um, where I would, there was, you know, a lot of encouragement to Mm -hmm. engage in arts. The school I went to, my, I moved when I was about 10 and the school I went to in Connecticut at that time had a really solid theater like program for for um older elementary and mid- and middle schoolers mm-hmm. and so I had you know an acting class even in middle school and and theater going up and all of yeah dance I was in dance and I was in you know singing lessons just to like kind of be in this program right. um so you know I was very lucky to again have been involved in theater from a very young age um and when I was in fifth, my favorite story, <laughs> my favorite story of being involved in in theater from a young age is when I was in fifth grade. I saw Little Shop of Horrors, and I said, "I want to do this for our play," mm-hmm. and the teachers were like, "Absolutely not! This is too violent." So my friends and I, we put together our own production of Little Shop of Horrors as ten year olds, fully cast, fully like got the crew, all of our own students. And I look back on that and I'm like, that's amazing. How did we do that? How did we do that? We were like tiny children. And I was just like, I want to do this. Who's going to do this with me? And our school was basically like, go ahead. I mean, if you're going to do it yourself, you can use our theater. Mm -hmm. So we did this ourselves. And of course, there was also all the drama between me and the director. Like, like, you know, as as the production person and the leading actress, like we had all this drama and it was just, it's so funny to look back on because we had this real like production that was in so many ways, like a microcosm of a real, you know, professional (laughs) production as 10 year olds. No, were, were you the main female lead i was audrey okay, yeah, nice. yeah. Can, can you give us your best audrey okay can i um i don't i don't know a line but it's like i know seymour's the greatest <laughs> but i'm dating a semi-sadist nice <laughs> like downtown is one of my favorite songs so good so anyway back to yes. school though yes. i do want to go back to this because Absolutely. it's it's really important for me to talk about education sure. so you know i grew up in these middle this middle school that had a had a really solid theater program um you know, and I and I had a lot of flexibility with my own creativity. My first kiss was with like this, you know, guy who played Romeo, and I played Juliet in seventh grade, and all of this stuff was like I was sort of immersed. Mm-hmm. But then I moved to Philadelphia uh, when I was twelve or thirteen, and I kind of got totally uninvolved with theater and acting. Um, I didn't have a home base anymore. My school didn't really foster that, you know, a theater community. Yeah, I stopped acting and, you know, I wasn't involved in any any theater or acting at all mm-hmm. uh, for years. Right. Now, in that time, I also changed schools more times and I ended up writing music and recording mm-hmm. like this 
album and playing shows all around the city when I was like 15. So I, I still had to be creative, but I kind of for like, um, forgot about acting in some ways because I didn't have that community anymore and have teachers mentoring me and other actors that I felt I was close to. Um, which is actually, you know, it's hard even Mm -hmm. as a kid, because this was sort of my life Mm -hmm. and I was always going to be an actress. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to a different state and I didn't have that anymore. So I did other things. I got involved in other communities. Let's see. When I was 16, I started modeling and I started acting. I was scouted by a photographer in Philadelphia. Actually, hilariously, I was scouted by a photographer when I was spending time at Occupy Philly. Uh, He was like, are you a model? And I laughed in his face. I said, what? No. And then he said, well, you should look into it. Um, So I started modeling and that very quickly turned into acting. Right. Uh, And um, I've been doing it ever since. Mm -hmm. And so I think of these sort of years, you know, 13 through 16 as lost years where I didn't have the thing that I wanted to be doing and I, right. I lost touch with it. Um, but the, you know, the, the thing I really want to talk about is just that I dropped out of uh, the 11th grade. Mm. This is a thing that people don't expect. I'm, uh, you've said this and we'll talk about it more, but I'm very bookish. I'm very, um, like educated I, I i read like mm-hmm. a ton i i present myself as and am truly like very intellectual mm-hmm. um so people assume that i like they always ask oh where did you go to school oh did you get your mfa in writing and all this <laughs> stuff and i say no i dropped out of the 11th grade mm-hmm. so that always surprises people but i have been a um i have been a passionate and enthusiastic self-educator right. since i was a kid and basically, you know, as a 16-year-old, I hated school. I did all of high school. I barely showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started working mm-hmm. as an actor and model. And it was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And my parents, who, you know, I'm sure also were kind of at a loss of what to do with me, right. were like, okay, do whatever you want. We support you. That's awesome that they were so supportive of that. And this is like a hyper-educated family, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like doctor, lawyer, every degree you can think of from Harvard, Yale, and Columbia family. Mm-hmm. And they were like, do whatever you want. We want you to be happy. Right. What a gift. So I, I have been working <laughs> as an actor since I was 16. And it was really just like, this is what I want to do. I don't want to be in school. It's not working for me. I didn't go get a, you know, bachelor's or a master's right. in acting. I mean, I've been in class since I was that age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I take I take training and education seriously, right. but I think that there's a lot that you can do yourself mm-hmm. and that there's a lot that, you know, a traditional institution in school could not provide me that life experience has right. provided me. There, there's a, a picture somebody posted on Instagram a few weeks ago that I really appreciate. It was a, it was a whiteboard that someone had drawn on. And it said one side said like the normal route, the other side said alternate route. And the normal route said like be born, uh, go to school, go to college, don't have a job for 12 months, get a job, uh, hate your job, (laughs) and then like get a new job, get married, have kids, die. And the other side said be born, uh, uh, go to school, don't go to college, have more time to learn a, a talent succeed at that talent, get a job that's better than this job, love what you do, enjoy, be able to retire at 40 
and do whatever you want and live life. Can you send that to me? Yeah, if I can find it, somebody posted it. I really want to look at that. It was under like the hashtag entrepreneur, I think, or something like that. I would love to look at that. I'll look at it. It's really interesting because it's basically like the last part of each one. The first one says die, the last one says live. And so it's this idea of like, you know, that, that, that's kind of growing of you don't have to go to college. And honestly, sometimes having a degree doesn't help you at all. Well, and the, you know, the difficulty that I face, especially when I was a nanny Mm -hmm. um, in Philly, you know, is I don't want to tell kids don't go to college. That's obviously not my intention. And there's Mm -hmm. so many jobs where you have to, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, you literally have to, right. You (laughs) have to go to school. That's not, that's out of the question to do it any other way. But I think that this generation especially is, you know, there are more artists and creatives and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And, um, I will say, I think that going to college actually takes away a lot. Um, I have so many friends who went and got degrees in whatever it is, mm-hmm. acting or, or English or, and, and to me, those are years that they lost yeah. and, and money and right. And let's talk about money. Yeah. I mean, college is outrageously yeah. expensive in the U S mm-hmm. and all, you know, all of my friends who are, you know, have these great educations. It's awesome. They're drowning in debt mm-hmm. and they can't get a job. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the job experience to get a good job that they, you know, even that they would kill at. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, I am over here and I'm not comparing myself like I'm so great. Right. I'm saying like I went through, I went this route that looked totally. Well, we're in your five bedroom apartment yeah, in not, Beverly not, Hills. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I took this this path that in all for all intents and purposes looked really reckless mm-hmm. and crazy mm-hmm. and um, and a failure to right. some people who had, you know, dropped out of high school. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I've been working and it like able to make money and provide for myself since I was like a kid. And I think it's about, and I think kind of where you're coming from also, it's about knowing who you are, mm-hmm. knowing yourself. Are you someone who can learn on their own and has the desire and the drive to learn on their own? Are you someone that reads a ton of books and can absorb that information in or, and someone that is, such a passionate hustler. I mean, yeah, will that's, hustle and work. That's very know? true. Um, and, 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 and you have to know, are you a college person? Like, are you going to be happy at college and does it fulfill you? Like, that's really where you know your path is, is it for you? That's really true. I mean, I think that a lot of this stuff has worked out also because I'm very self motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, I have good discipline. I'm mm-hmm. driven. And so I didn't need the structure of right. school. And, and plenty of people do. And that's okay. Right. So, so going kind of a little back to the creative part, um, you talk, you know, you talked about your amazing turn as baby Helen Keller, uh, award winning, uh, <laughs> I just um, really want to see a tape of that. Like, I would just love to see that play, and then really just break, critique yourself. <laughs> yeah. so hard. Oh, I could have done this. Yeah, I could have done so much. I could have really. I don't feel the emotion was there in that cry. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your first roles that you remember uh, when you started performing and 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 actually, you know, perform, performing on your own and not in, instinctively as a baby? Sure. So, um, well, I will, you know, I will say, you know, being at this, this school in Connecticut, that was really theater heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it's, it's hard to talk about yourself. And sometimes I want to be real because like a lot of my stories sound very like, ha ha ha. Uh, but I'm trying to learn to just own it. <laughs> That's um, okay. okay. Brag a little bit. It's fine. So when I was in sixth grade, the, um, the school musical was, 
once on this island, which I don't even want to get into how problematic that is because that is like, you know, an all black like island cast and we were all white kids and I just I'm ashamed Oof. I don't I didn't I didn't know enough to even think about that you were like young 11 you were young. year old yeah, but um, I hope they would never do something your activist like that years didn't start my activist 12. years had not started <laughs> yet uh, so so I remember there was auditions for once on this island and I was like, I want to play the lead, you know, and I'm sixth grade. So it's going up through eighth grade. And there's all these people who've been in the theater program for a while. And I went in there and I got the part. (laughs) And I remember like going to see, you know, they put up the list of, you know, of roles. And I go and I see my name and I got the lead. And all these eighth graders were like, who is that? Who's Grace? Who's Grace? I don't know who that is. Yeah. And I was like, hello. That's it's when you me. flung the double doors open. <laughs> yes. You're like, hello, everybody. <laughs> I am your queen. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, and again, it's kind of like at that at that age, like this is always what I want was going to do. Mm-hmm. I already knew that I wanted to be an actress. Um, so I I pushed myself when mm-hmm. I could and uh and you know, and then I did that Romeo and Juliet, and so I I love Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um I ended up actually working at the Philadelphia Shakespeare Theater for some time because I just love Shakespeare that much and was exposed to it at a young age. But let's see. I mean, I did all of that and the the Little Shop of Horrors bit was a fun stint in my young age. Yeah, but I will say, you know, I uh, I, the first paid role Mm. I ever had um, was I so I'm a big David Lynch fan so mm. this uh, this is something you know I'm big yeah. Twin Peaks and Absolutely. David Lynch fan and my first paid acting role ever was doing a spoof of Blue Velvet mm-hmm. uh, for there was like um, so David Lynch went to school in Philadelphia and there was this art gallery like dedicated to him this right. like art show that was coming up and so my first role was doing a spoof of Blue Velvet with a sketch comedy group um, like a short film and mm. at a bar uh, <laughs> called Pab's Blue Velvet, nice. where we were like drinking beer with uh, an ear in it. Uh, um, nice. So, but it's just so funny because one, you know, I just love that that was my first paid acting role. Right. Uh, but I also, it's so funny because I was like 16 and shooting in this bar at like 5 a.m. <laughs> just, you know, going to this. This is so this, crazy. Yeah, going to this art show where everyone's like, oh, you want a beer? And I'm like, no. I'm 16. I'm 16. My parents don't know, like, don't, are totally uninvolved in my career. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was, that was the first, uh, paid gig I had that was kind of I feel like that was like the start of being a professional actor nice um now so you worked kind of in Philadelphia and Connecticut um tell talk about their separate creative scenes and um how they compared and how they differentiated it's very different um to compare being a kid and no, working in community theater and, and middle school and all right. of that versus being a professional right. in, right. in Philadelphia. But, you know, I am glad, I will say, um, I'm so glad that I spent a few years in a smaller market before moving to Los Angeles mm-hmm. because I, you know, showed up here with a full resume of films and, and you know, TV spot and right. whatever else it is, new media and mm-hmm. commercials. And, and um, I think that that's like really really important if you can stay where you are if you're listening to this and you're not yet in LA Mm -hmm. which is probably not a ton of people but I'm sure that there are people like I listened to Inside Acting Mm -hmm. learning about LA for years before I moved here so if there are people listening to this who are not yet here Mm -hmm. 
if you can stay in a smaller market, you will just have way more chance to book stuff, mm-hmm. get stuff on your resume, have footage, and show up here as a professional. Because I have tons of friends here who, you know, in my age range who are wonderful actors, mm-hmm. so talented, but, you know, moved or here right after college, mm-hmm. and you just don't have as many opportunities if your resume is empty and you only have college credits. Yeah. I've had to tell a few friends who, even in Dallas, especially some that I've met here, when I've looked at their resumes, like, you need to take the college stuff off, like, as soon yes. as possible. Like, yes. as soon, or change it so it doesn't look like college. Because they're not going to look into it, but... Like just, it, you need to get the college stuff off. I totally agree. Yeah. And the tough reality is like, this is the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Like Los Angeles is the big leagues. It's, it's the NBA. It's the, it, it, it is. And so you need to be presenting yourself mm-hmm. as a professional. You know, this idea that people come here and are handed roles or that it's, you know, you, you, you move here and you just start mm-hmm. working. Totally unrealistic. Not true. Not true. Um, and I know that people also say that, but you know, it's, you have to be prepared. You have to be presenting yourself as a professional. You have to have a portfolio. Um, and if you don't have that, you know, definitely make your own work. If you're already here, um, or set up, you know, work for free for a few projects or, you know, set up photo shoots for free. Do a a school project, like people looking for student films and stuff like that is huge here. Was it a big market in Philadelphia for, for films? It's not a big market. Um, or creative ventures, if you will. I would say that Philly is, you know, a really small, tight-knit film community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of bullshit, I'm not going to lie, because it's a, you know, small market. Right. And, um, but, I, you know, I feel like I knew everyone in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So it's, but there, but there was a solid film industry. Okay, that's um, good. You know, there were people, there were definitely people making work. There was, and there was creative work. Around. Enough, yeah, there was creative work around. There was enough going on that mm-hmm. I had, you know, classes and events to go to and book to work. Right. Um, and I, you know, in a lot of ways, the fact that it was small was great for me mm-hmm. to start to start there um, right. because I, I just was able to make a lot of connections and, and book a lot of work right. um, without being up against like a huge amount of people. That's awesome. So let's kind of go into your love for books a little bit. Okay. Um, where did that kind of develop? How did, you know, did you get it from like your mom or your dad or was it something that you developed on your own? And, and then kind of also, if you want to kind of transition that to the book, John podcast, how that came about. So I am of the Harry Potter generation. Nah. Um, What's your favorite one? Uh, I would have to say that Half Blood Prince is my favorite one. As a Slytherin, I like learning about Slytherins. <laughs> so I grew up with reading as just kind of part of my culture. Right. I mean, you know, if you grew up with Harry Potter coming out, like if you weren't like actively involved in going to midnight showings and mm-hmm. and um, obsessing over Harry Potter, at least a few of your friends were. <laughs> right. So I um, you know, my parents read. My godmother is a big fantasy reader. She's a doctor as well, but mm-hmm. she she always um, she reads a ton, and so she would bring me books as a kid. And mm-hmm. you know, I remember like the first nine hundred page book I read was when I was nine because she you know gave me Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series, <laughs> and which is like a fourteen book thousand plus page right. every book uh, series. You finished it in one night. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I remember. I mean, it was like it was like there was just a sort of you would like this. You're a child, but you're capable of reading this. Right. Um, which I was, and you know, my parent, my dad in particular, we would read Harry Potter together and he brought me to midnight showings. It was kind of our thing. Mm -hmm. He actually, uh, drove to like when I was at camp during the last book coming out, Mm -hmm. um, I was at sleepaway camp in in, like Poughkeepsie, New York. He drove up there 
to pick me up so we could go to a midnight showing in, or a midnight release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Um, all of, it was nerd camp too. It was I was I went to a gifted studies program at Vassar College, mm-hmm. so all of my friends were seethingly jealous that my dad came to pick me up to go to a midnight release. That's awesome. So I definitely had you know a family that was like supported my love of mm-hmm. reading. I wouldn't say that my dad or my mom are particularly bookish mm-hmm. um, in the way that I am, but it was just always, I'm, you know, I've always been someone who kind of escapes into fantasy <laughs> realms, uh, whether it's, you know, fiction or, or actual fantasy right. or TV movies. It's just, just a, such a kind of intrinsic part of my life and mm-hmm. who I am that it's, it's difficult to say like, oh, I started reading because of this thing. Right, right. just sort of who I am. Just kind of as you, you just kind of became a part of you. Yeah, well. it's yeah. always been a part of me, I think. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, the next step with that is when I was, um, during my lost years as a teen where I wasn't acting, um, I started volunteering at an anarchist info shop, mm-hmm. which is basically like a volunteer-run bookstore right. uh, that provides books and, and text on political issues and I kind of I was a punk kid so I I sort of wandered in there and started volunteering it was really cool way to I don't know spend time but because of that you know being there for two years I had like two years of bookstore work on a resume and I ended up like my first real job that wasn't you know nannying or um babies uh nannying or or you know doing freelance modeling and acting was working at an uh, independent bookstore in mm-hmm. Philadelphia called Big Blue Marble Books, which is a wonderful, wonderful place. Nice. Um, so, and I always kind of want, like said, if I had a day job, I would want to work in the bookstore. It, it would be fitting. Yeah, it would be <laughs> fitting. And so, I, you know, I, I've been working in bookstores too since I was like 15. And it's it's been a wonderful, wonderful part of my life. It's mm-hmm. where I met my one of my best friends at who I run Book John Podcast with. Right. Um, and we're kind of disbanding that right now just mm. because the Philly, LA, um, trying to make it work by coastally right. is, is like impossible right. for given like kind of what we do and mm. our dynamic as co-hosts like needs to be there and right. we can't make that work from, it's tough. yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But, um, I, but I feel really, uh, really, um, lucky that I met her and that we had this project that we shared, right. you know, another thing about the, the world of books and how important it is to me. Um, is I was explaining this to a friend recently. I have this complex mm-hmm. that is totally like r- irrational that I have to separate book world from acting world mm-hmm. because I was so heavily involved in the world of books from such a young age mm-hmm. and also an actor. I felt very self conscious about it, and I actually I still do. Like I'm not even gonna speak about it in the past tense. I feel like, oh, I don't want people to associate me with being the book girl. Right. Um, I often struggle with that. You know, people do think, oh, you're the reader, you're the bookseller, you're the whatever, book mm-hmm. podcaster. And I'm like, no, I'm an actor. <laughs> I'm an actor. You know, like I do th- this right. thing. Um, and, you know, when I express this discomfort at being associated with one thing, right. uh, people are always like, it's not like they're mutually exclusive. And it, it is, it's silly that I have this, this thing going on. And I, this is why I say it's totally irrational right. because some of the best acting opportunities I've ever mm-hmm. had have been born from my love of books. Right. Um, and so I, and it, which kind of just reiterates my belief that you have to just do what you're passionate about and like the whether you're an actor or whatever just mm-hmm. do what you love and the the opportunities will come right. i'm meeting up with a friend tonight a young adult author 
who one of my favorite young adult authors mm-hmm. of all time, um, who I met a couple months or like last year because he came on to the podcast. Right. He was in LA. I got to meet him. I'm like obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. We struck up a really quick friendship and right. he said, I would really like you to narrate my next audiobook. Oh, that's if, awesome. So and, and and so I think that might be happening. I mean, it's you know, there's there's um obviously plenty of <laughs> who knows, but right. but th- things like that have happened a lot where I've made like really amazing uh, acting and entertainment industry connections through the world of books. That's fantastic. I think you know books are the beginnings of any creative venture in the long run. I mean, scripts, plays. Uh, 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 manuscripts, whatever, uh, lyrics, uh, poetry. I mean, those are all the beginnings of the stuff that we want to do. Well, and, you know, so much of the award-winning, uh, not even award-winning, so much content, period. It's just from books. adapted yeah. on from books. books. Yeah. Over and over again. Over and over. <laughs> I mean, like, Handmaid's Tale, Big Little oh, Lies, Game of Thrones, right. all of it is based on books. Black Mirror, based on based short book. story yeah, collection. Absolutely. And, I, and that, I think that's the important thing is that there is a separation, but they also work in tandem together. And a lot, I mean, nowadays, a book comes out that if it has any kind of heat on it, it's bought... Um, even even if it's not planned to be made for years. This is also a, you know a good time to mention. This I can't read. <laughs> I only listen to audiobooks because I can't read. This is a good time to mention that um, the sizzle reel that I, mm-hmm. yeah, that I shot. You know, we're talking about options and and connecting books to <laughs> to um to movies. Mm-hmm. And I think I just want to say first, I think this is a really cool idea that you had to do this because. It one, it does show like that 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 hustle and that desire to really play this role, but and you'll go into what it is. But I really uh, I appreciate that as a creative taking that step and kind of really taking that risk, doing it on your own. And I think that and I think it's a smart idea also in the same way. So sorry. Thank you. No, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's so my my one of my biggest focuses right now, which you know already, um, is. I am campaigning for the lead role in an upcoming Hulu series. Mm-hmm. They're adapting a young adult fantasy book series called Throne of Glass. Mm-hmm. They're adapting it for a Hulu show that's going to be called Queen of Shadows. Um, it's it's going to be, you know, a young adult Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, it's not really young adult because there's like sex and a lot of violence <laughs> in the series. But, but it's going to be... You, you know what I mean. Right. It's going to be like Hunger Games kind right. of audience. It's going to be a mature th- PG-13. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's interesting because the story is about an assassin. So right. they could they could make it yeah. like really brutal. They could really take it up. They could take... I mean, because if you actually show the things that mm-hmm. are in the books, it right. would be definitely not PG-13. Okay. But but um, it's like the Hunger Games, though. They kind of tone down the the, the violence, mm-hmm. like the actual blood and gore that's in the books, right. just to make it appropriate for a PG-13 rating. Yeah. We'll see what Hulu does, though. Um, anyway, I'm campaigning for the lead role in this, in this series, and I don't totally know where we're at in terms of pre-production right now. The writer who's kind of is helming the project as executive producer, mm-hmm. Kira Snyder, she wrote for The Hundred and then she writes currently for The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. So she always does this sort of badass women sci-fi fantasy stories. Mm-hmm. This is this is a great example of, you know, book and, and movie world mm-hmm. finally colliding in a really um, beautiful way for right. me. So a few years ago when I was doing Book John podcast with Sarah, 
we would have this thing called Two Lady Book Club where we would both read a book and we talk about it on the show. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we read Throne of Glass. Uh, Mm -hmm. We both love YA. And um, we read this book and, you know, it was really just for the fun, for the podcast. And I said, this is my part. Mm -hmm. I said, this was, you know, a few years ago, I was living in Philly and, you know, up to no good. (laughs) And I was like, if there has ever been a part that I've read in, in a story uh, or scene or whatever, it's this girl. Mm-hmm. And Sarah said, yeah, I think you're right. right. And I was, um, <laughs> I have one of my favorite stories of encouragement that is totally humbling is a girl I babysat at the time, read the book too, mm-hmm. and really loved it. She read the whole series. I like suggested it to her. And she sent the author my IMDb page uh, and she, without asking me, like I, she, I had no idea that this was going on and af- authors don't cast movies. So I would actually have <laughs> been kind of embarrassed. But sometimes they have a say. Yes, that's true. So she, so she, this girl I babysit read the series and was like, yeah, this is you. She sent the author this letter about me that's amazing. and my IMDb. I mean, it's just like, what? <laughs> so fast forward a couple of years, this has been something that has been like kind of an undercurrent of my life mm-hmm. that it's kind of difficult to explain explained to people because I've basically been following the option. Mark right. Gordon Company that made uh, Newsroom, one of my favorite shows, mm-hmm. they had the option for this series. And then last, let's see, in the fall of 2016, Hulu bought the rights. Mm-hmm. And that, I was still living in Philly when mm-hmm. that happened. And uh, I moved a few months later mm-hmm. because truly that was a real big motivator for yeah. me. It was like, luckily I've had years I mean, if they had just made it, my opportunity would be gone. But I, so I moved here and it was partly influenced by this story being adapted. Right. And um, then when I got here, I was telling A.G. Meyer, one of the hosts of Inside Acting, Mm -hmm. about this idea I had. And, you know, the fact that I really wanted this part and needed to do whatever I could to, like, get myself seen. Right. He said, shoot a sizzle reel. Mm-hmm. Now, I had never even heard of that before. Really? I'd never heard of that before. And, you know, it is uncommon, I mm-hmm. think. Um, this is how I found out later. This is how Elijah Wood landed Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Uh, the studio was, like, not interested in him. He didn't have enough credits. They were like, we don't know who you are or care. Right. He had a director friend shoot a couple scenes. They watched it months later. <laughs> and they were like, oh, there's something there. I kind of like him. I kind of like him. I mean, he was in North, everybody. Let's let's be real. I mean, he was a child actor. Yeah. You know, he had credits, but they weren't interested. And he, they weren't dramatic, like like that role. He was, he, they were, you know, they didn't, he didn't have enough name recognition. So um, it's just, you know, someone told me that recently and I went, okay, <laughs> uh, that made me feel good. Yeah. So what I did was I, you know, I got a couple of friends together um, and, uh, I wrote two, I adapted two scenes from the books um, with the same other actor, like kind of same other character, just for the sake of simplicity. Right. I fully costumed this, you know, fantasy world right. and we shot at an Airbnb I rented that had this kind of magical look to it. Right. Um, borrowed weapons from a friend of ours, William Crawford, mm. like lent me swords. I had, I ended up hiring a film score um, writer, whatever the, mm-hmm. if, and to put music under the uh, two yeah. scenes. The composer. Com- yeah. Thank you, film composer yeah. to put music under the two scenes because they kind of this sort of fantasy realm heavy mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. needs that. Oh, it, needs it, yeah. it feels awkward without it. Um, you know, a friend of mine directed 
this project we rehearsed it a bunch i will say you know i paid everyone involved because it's fun to like shoot stuff with your friends Mm -hmm. i can be really kind of hard ass about everyone needs to be paid i've with whether it was a scissor reel or a short film i produced a few Mm -hmm. years ago um i'm like really strict about if i'm gonna make something everyone has to be paid um which I don't demand that if I'm working with other friends, mm-hmm. but for myself, that's like just really important. Yeah, it's 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 important to kind of have that mindset, and and I think in the end, people appreciate that. Yeah, you know? I think they do. I mean, first, obviously, people want to be paid, but I think that it just you know I treat this work like obviously I'm passionate about acting and right. storytelling, and that's why I'm here. But in the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is a business. Right. And I'm really uncomfortable with treating it as anything but. Right. Um, people should be paid for their work. People mm-hmm. should show up on time. You know, this isn't a lackadaisical kind of industry. You right. have to be a hustler and you need to demand that you are treated with respect. And you need to demand that you are paid for your work. And, and so I, I'm going to do that for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we shot that. It's done now, I should say. Um, I am not totally sure if I want to put it out publicly right mm-hmm. now. I would hold on to it. I, would, I feel yeah. like it's best to hold on to it for a little bit and then just, just find that right moment and the right way to let it out. So, I think is the way to put it. You know, the difficulty with this is I could campaign among, amongst fans. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could put it on YouTube and, and send it to a lot of the fan accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to piss Hulu off. Yeah. So that's the sort of the question. Yeah. Um, so I'm at the, in the meantime, I'm going to do everything I can to get it to the actual people working in production. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it may it may end up being that I post it on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I would I would definitely maybe look into finding the agent or whoever you can contact from the author. Mm-hmm. Getting it to them, I think, would be helpful. Just because I guarantee, especially if she is in the film world already doing writing for Handmaid's Tale and stuff like that. Oh, the, I, the, the producer. Yeah, the producer. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like, you know, she definitely has a say, you know, going to have a say. And I it definitely, and, and I, sending it to the author definitely doesn't hurt either just because they, they I'm sure they have a say as well in a little bit. Yeah, I'm that. working on it. It's funny, you know, the Kira, Kira the, the executive producer, mm-hmm. is repped by Gersh and Sarah, the author of the series, is repped by CAA mm-hmm. for film rights stuff. Right. So I'm struggling right now and literally we finished this like a week ago. Right, they right. finished like a week ago. I'm like, how the hell do I get it to agents at Gersh and CAA? Because their sites are all like, do not send us unsolicited materials. Mm-hmm. We will throw it out. Mm-hmm. Now I guess a friend said, you know, the worst thing that happens is they throw it out. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I'm working mm-hmm. on, you know, some some backdoor connections yeah, to get them to directly to the people. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I would say releasing it publicly, like online, is a last kind of a, not a last ditch effort, but like a, 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 a C plan. I agree with that. A plan I totally C. Agree and that way, that. and then if you do that, then goes in marketing yourself, so people go watch it, so it gets a ton of views mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Um, that's awesome. Though. I love I love the mindset about that and and the the passion for that role because then that says a lot, you know, it's that you took the time to do that. You took the time to, and it's, and it definitely if nothing else will get attention. So kind of taking that, you, you going from, you know, using that as kind of a, a bounce to move here. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're, you've been here a year. I have been here a year. And yeah. That's, happy a, anniversary that's super me. exciting. <laughs> and what, you know, is, was the YA novel, the, you know, uh, uh, throne of glass. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, was that the 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 stint to move here, or was that already in your head to move here? That just kind of oh, it was definitely you already in my head to move here. Mm-hmm. I think I realized after getting here mm-hmm. that finding out that it, Hulu bought the rights was was kind of a 
an undercurrent of yeah. why I made things happen quickly. Gotcha. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't thinking about it like right. that at the time. So I have wanted to move to Los Angeles since I started working mm-hmm. as an actor, okay. right? So when I was 17, I was in a master class. I was like, you know, working <laughs> on film sets. And I was like, I'm going to move to LA. You're going to make it. I'm going to move now. And, and I don't want to be here anymore in Philadelphia. And I'm ready to go. And, right. you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe this is like, as AJ and Trevor will say, like this is a uh, from inside acting. Right. You know, this is definitely an industry that capitalizes off youth and beauty. So like there's a, there's a reason to move as a mm-hmm. young person. But um, I... I am very happy that I waited a few years. Mm-hmm. I moved when I was 21 and I had money saved and a resume and knew how to be an adult. Right. Um, and thank God. <laughs> well, it's, it, it sounds like you had the goal to move here already. So, so I always had already, the goal to you move You knew here. to save and stuff like that. The, right. The goal was always to move. Mm-hmm. And, and I just feel like the best thing I did for myself was, was be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, right. It's, outrageously expensive to be an actor period mm, and LA sure. as a city is is very expensive mm-hmm. and I I think that I know that everyone says this but like you need to have as much money as possible mm-hmm. saved and you need to not just blow through it when you move here you mm-hmm. need to you know be working and making an income mm-hmm. um you know the reality is that like even best case scenario you're probably not going to be making like a lot of income from your creative work for a few years. That's completely true. Best case scenario. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I was, I was hyper prepared with, with communities I wanted to be involved with. I stopped, I joined the class I wanted to be in. As soon as I moved, I had money saved. I had, um, connections from the book world that, were giving me money to do like author event coordination and, mm-hmm. and comic con, um, assisting. And oh, I awesome. run panels at comic cons and all of that. Right. So I had kind of side gig work that's always going for me that I'm actually passionate about. And like, Fantastic. Doing. so that's one of like my uh, money jobs besides modeling right now. Um, did you move here? Did you move here by yourself or with somebody? I moved here by myself. Okay. I, uh, I lived with a boyfriend before moving here. Mm-hmm. And when we got together, um, we were together about a year. When we got together, I, I made it clear. I said, I'm going to move to Los Angeles and I'm not going to move with someone. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you this because wow. I don't really want to get into a relationship. Yeah. Um, because I know that it's not going to last. Right. And he said, I have known you for a few years. This has always been what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Like I have no misconceptions about right. that. And uh, yeah, so we ended up dating. We lived together. He is, was a wonderful partner. And mm-hmm. um we actually did look at LA. Like he came to visit at mm-hmm. one point when I was looking for places in case he wanted to be here. Right. He hates LA. <laughs> it's very much not him. So he didn't move with me, which is for the best. Um, you know, it was, right. was really, really hard to mm-hmm. go from living, you know, close to my family, mm-hmm. very close to my family, and literally with my boyfriend to mm-hmm. living alone in a city that I mostly didn't know anyone. It's really tough. It's really tough. I mean, yeah. I had this kind of extreme opposition because I had very solid creative communities in Philly. Right. Um, but you know, I think that my strength as a, as a artist and human being is creating community and mm-hmm. like, and fostering, uh, relationships wherever I go. Right. So, um, it's been fine. What, what were you, what was your initial <laughs> impression of LA after you moved here? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, 
the undercurrent of all of it has just been I very much feel that I'm where I need to be. Mm-hmm. So anything that feels disheartening or superficial is like fine to mm-hmm. me because I just know that I'm where I need to be. Yeah. Um, the, I, I like it here. Yeah. You know, I do. And I, I really think that we live in this beautiful, diverse city with so much great food and so much to do. Mm-hmm. And everyone moved here because they are passionate about their pursuit and I just think that that's really really beautiful and maybe that's naive because there's obviously a lot of like uh, horrible things that happen in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of difficulty here whether it's money or just like it's hard to make a relationship work Mm -hmm. when people move here for them their own careers that kind of takes priority a lot Mm -hmm. you moved here with your wife so it's a little different you know it's different thank god thank god yeah no I mean I think that it's uh, as I get older it's gonna Mm -hmm. be hard to, to make a relationship work um, ideally I'm going to be with someone who is not in the industry, honestly. Yeah. Not in the industry at I all. I need someone who grounds me. But, um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, I commend you on coming on your own because honestly, I don't think I would have, if it wasn't for my wife, I, I don't think I would be here. And if I, if I had, I don't know if I would have been as prepared as I was to move here. And so I definitely commend that you were able to have the discipline to save money and understand like you said, moving here can't go out all the time and you've got to really make sure you have money to live on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think that it's it's sort of funny when people say that because I think in a few years, I'm going to look back on this and be like, wow, that was really brave. What did I do? You know, you know I'll be like, wow, I, like that's so brave that I did that right. and made that work. Right now, it's been like, when people say that, I'm like, well, duh. Mm-hmm. My feeling is like, I wanted this thing, so I went after this thing. Absolutely. Like that's not... Brave right. to me. That's just sort of like the logical next step right. that I had to take. <laughs> it was just the next. I it was the next thing. In some amount of time, I'll give myself credit, but I really just don't feel like that. But that's, right I mean, now. that's but that's great. That shows like who you are. Like that's just a goal-minded thing. I did the next step. Yeah, it never occurred to me when mm-hmm. that this was like a really cool, brave mm-hmm. thing to go pursue my goals. Because right. I do get that feedback, whether it's from my mom or just mm-hmm. from like followers. I get people saying. You know, oh, you really like go after what you want. You really try. It's right. so amazing. And I'm like, oh, that's like a thing that people often don't do. Yeah. Because I, I would never occur to me to not move to LA. Yeah. It would never occur to me to not be pursuing this. Right. Um, it was, so it's always just been sort of logic brain. It's like, yeah, I move here. I move here alone. It would be too complicated to move here with a partner. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff. Like, it's just sort of, of course, it's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hopefully someday though, I'll look back on it with a little more like, uh, I don't know, a little more... Um, uh, rewarding rewarding yeah <laughs> but pa- for now, pat on the back yeah a little more pat on the back but but it's it's you know it's fine yeah. it's just like it's, I don't need that I'm right. doing what I love and I'm in a city that I genuinely think is kind of magical right and um and I like working and I like working hard and, right. I, and I have no complaints I, you know all of the things that people I when people ask me about LA I say everything you hear about LA is true mm-hmm. and there's more to it yep because all of the negative things you hear, totally true. No, absolutely. All the negative <laughs> stuff and there's stuff that you don't hear about. And there's stuff that you don't hear. And mm-hmm. I just think that, like, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but just keeping a really, like, positive attitude and mm-hmm. just, like, being grounded in gratitude is so important. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing, and you know, I'm, like, an activist and I'm really, I think big picture. That's how mm-hmm. I think. Um, the fact that I am here just, like, pursuing my artistic dream Mm -hmm. is crazy Mm -hmm. 
if I had been born anywhere else in any different time. I was going to say any other time also. My life would be so different. Mm -hmm. The fact that I am just here making it work, whether it's an abundant time where I have a shit ton of money to blow on getting my, you know, spa treatments or when it's one of those weeks where I've gotten like, where I'm struggling and working 80 hour weeks. And eating a banana for dinner. And eating a banana for dinner, whether it's, I don't care what time it is. It's amazing to me that I'm here doing this. And I think that when people get really negative and complain a lot, I'm like, do you have any idea how lucky we are? This is so awesome. This is so awesome. It's so awesome. And even my worst days on set Mm -hmm. always feel like that. I'm like, you know, if I'm like jumping onto a reality show, like something I don't care about at all, frankly, which I've done, you know, I'll do some little bit part here and there. And it's like, whatever. Or the sets, you know, being run really terribly or right. you know there's all these i just I'm, or if it, whether it or sometimes it's great and i run i just run into people actors who are complaining bitterly the whole time mm-hmm. and i'm like why are you here yeah this is amazing I get, I get so tired of those the people that just come like just feels like they complain all the time complain like, all the time on. like i can't imagine doing that just go when i'm on set i'm like I'm like, what can I do to be helpful? Yeah. You know, is there anything you guys need help with? Oh yeah, whatever you need. Because I'm excited to be there. Yeah. And it's just cool that we can pursue this thing. And like, man, there's never been a better time to be an actor. That's that's just a really great attitude, yeah, to have. Yeah, we have so much access to to technology Mm -hmm. and and fan bases and just like, you know, side hustles to make it all work. Right. I, I, I can't imagine being like, oh, this is so hard and I haven't been handed anything yet. Right. Like, what? Well, look, looking kind of back at the move and moving here, um, is there anything that you would suggest to someone uh, on preparing themselves to move here, maybe that you weren't prepared for or they kind of you look in retrospect that like, oh, I should have done this or, you know, that one thing maybe that could have helped? I would say, I mean... Just as a general, I would say um, save a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. I would say listen to it all of Inside Acting because that podcast, you know, listening to it for and this podcast, listen to Hollywood Hustle, listen to Inside Acting because you learn so much about the industry Mm -hmm. that you just won't know about any other way Absolutely. there's so much random shit to be that you need to know about and like right. you need to be able to talk about right um like whether it's like sending postcards like like things that you just you don't know about unless mm-hmm. you're here so listening to people actors talk about the work that they're doing mm-hmm. and the kind of weird random administrative business stuff that we're responsible for mm-hmm. is like very helpful so yeah. you can hold your own in a conversation and Absolutely. get going um, I did all of that in terms of like things that didn't work or things I wish that I had done. I mean, I do. Um, I I have a tendency. I live alone, as mm-hmm. you know, and I have a tendency to isolate myself. You know, working really hard and mm-hmm. then just staying home. And um, I think that the that it's really important to be involved in communities mm-hmm. uh i can you know it, it gets really depressing if even for someone as optimistic and excited as me like <laughs> if i spend too much time alone yeah. i get really um disheartened or sad and just isolated because this city really can feel isolating even though there's so much going on mm-hmm. between traffic and the very different diverse areas right. um you can get kind of clustered mm-hmm. off from things you want to be doing or, or people and everyone's so busy also. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it's really important to be involved 
as soon as possible with a class and a place to volunteer mm-hmm. and, you know, with all sorts of things like that. Yeah. Because if you're just spending too much time alone, it's not good for you. Yeah, we, we've talked a few times on the podcast about leaving the house and going and doing stuff and saying yes to things and literally and do anything being open because yeah, it's cool to stay home sometimes and it's great, especially money wise. It's great to stay home, but maybe call someone like, Hey, do you want to come over and hang out? Or, you know, it's, you have to have that human connection with people because that's how you, especially from what I'm getting, I could be wrong. You don't really have family here. No. So same here. And I think it's, it's important that you have to build that support system. It's so important to have those people around you that you can reach out, not just for work, but just if you're having a crappy day, I can, I can, I can't even count on my fingers how many times I've called Michael and just we've ranted to each other about like just a, how crappy we felt at that time, and and it's it's and you need someone that understands it. it you know, you can definitely vent to your mom and your dad if you have a close relationship, but they're not gonna understand that feeling as well as someone that's going through it at the same time. Absolutely. And I also think that, I mean, connection is just so important. Like we're on the, we're on the planet earth to like be connected to other human beings. So anything that isolates us and makes us feel alone is just not good. Is not why we're here. Absolutely. Um, you know, I also, I also learned this this is kind of my main mentality about being an artist. Thanks (laughs) to like Jenna Fisher from the office and her interview series with inside acting and also Julia Cameron, um, author of the artist's way have kind of instilled this belief in me that success is born in clusters Mm -hmm. and out of generosity. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to be of service and honestly just be a person. Like if you're my number one pet peeve is actors who are just actors and who don't know anything about the world. Like if the only thing you can talk about is casting director workshops and you have no idea what it's like to like, you know, be a human being in any other industry. Like I think you're hella boring and you also probably can't portray a person Mm -hmm. in a film. You're not going to be playing actors. You're going to be playing, you know, people who, whatever are who have a job who have a job who are doctors who are homeless who are whatever it is like you have to be a person you have to understand the world you have to understand the world and so when i go out i'm like talking to strangers Mm -hmm. all the time i'm curious about people i love people i want to go do things that aren't related to acting um because I'm a human being and like I'm fascinated by human beings That, that was something my 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 mom when i was younger um used to talk to everyone and I would get so embarrassed <laughs> and like she would at restaurants, she would ask for the manager. Cause she worked for a frozen food company. Okay. She would ask for the manager, give her her card and hustle. Like she was, mm-hmm. she, and I understand that now, but as a kid, I'm like, Oh my God, mom, really? you got to talk to the manager and like give him your card. It was just so that kid and it was just so embarrassing. And now like, honestly, like I, I incredibly appreciate it because now I talk to random people and I can start a conversation with anybody in a grocery line about anything. I can look at one thing that they have and just start a conversation and just keep it going. And those interactions make life worth living. Absolutely. Like those random little connections with strangers Mm -hmm. in the grocery store are, you know, the, like the reason I want to be alive. And when I'm in a bad mood, that takes me out of it. And and my wife is a very intro, uh, um, introvert Mm -hmm. and she is a, she loves being at home. And so when we first started dating, that was really weird for her. When Mm. I would randomly talk to people, she'd be like, what are you you talking to this person? And it was just something she, now she kind of, I think appreciates it that I'm like that. But for at first she got really embarrassed by it. And it's something where, 
It should. I I, I want to know about everyone. I am so curious. Call it nosy or whatever, but <laughs> I am so. I like to say I'm just curious about the world, and I want to know why are you buying that sack of potato tip chips, or why are you buying eight sacks of potato tips? Like, what's going on? Having a big party? Like, what's what? Why? Why? Why do people do what they do? And I think that's why I write. Also, is because mm-hmm. I love trying to figure that out and solve that that mystery is why is this person like they are? I will also say, and you know, as this is like business grace coming back. Excuse me. Can we have business? Business grace Grace is back to to (laughs) let you all know. Uh, Also like everyone works in the end, not everyone, but so much of LA is people who work in the industry. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I would never even suggest that I connect to people hoping (laughs) that they work in the industry. Cause I don't really, I don't know what, like who cares, but you know, the other thing is when you're present and connected and talking to strangers mm-hmm. and, and just like being of service, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the strangers that I've met and been talking to like often end up being a film director, mm-hmm. you know, like things like that, where it's like, I'm actually making connections with people who, you know, we can build something professional there yeah. too. Like it's just you build your Rolodex. Yeah. Bill. I, Oh, did I show you? I literally have an analog. I, Rolodex. I, I saw it. I think I saw it through the door. I have a Rolodex, which is so funny. <laughs> For those that people. don't know, a Rolodex <laughs> is a, a round thing. It's like circular. You can turn it and it's cards that you put contact information from people, name, address. It's like a little black book, but you can scroll through it. You can see on Mad Men. Yeah. Some of them have Rolodexes. So I love having a Rolodex because because I'm an analog person, like mm-hmm. keeping spreadsheets doesn't really work for my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell by all the candles that you had. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's yeah. no extra- electricity in this room. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I like having the opportunity to write things down. It makes things stick. But I, you'll see if I, if you're ever on set with me mm-hmm. again, I take notes in my phone, mm-hmm. who I talked to, what we talked about, mm-hmm. and then I go home and I put that on a Rolodex mm-hmm. because I, you know, and so I have these cards of like, you know, oh, this is Martin Spencer at Paradigm Talent. He's a literary mm-hmm. agent. His son Jack works for Martin Scorsese. Right. You know, who, who he's doing this and this. His his cousin Chris is a boxing coach. Like I love keeping track of that stuff. I have so many contacts on my phone that are like Jack director, <laughs> John writer, yeah. David photographer. Like I have so many of those in my in my in my phone. Also. So yeah. just like, just ha- I have them. And so I'm like, I need a director, type director, and I'll get a ton of different things come up. If people, people, um, want to feel like they're all on their own here. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that like, no man is an island, of course. Mm-hmm. And that this is a relationships industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, any business is a relationships business in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but this biz- industry in particular is a relationships mm-hmm. industry. You have to be connected to people. Right. You have to be of service. You have to remember things about people, not in a disingenuous way. Cause you need to be working with people who you actually vibe with. Right. But, um, yeah, when, when, when people just want to do everything themselves and like, and you know, they're, they're like, I can't do anything. I'm working. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you're going to fail. Right. Well, <laughs> I know it sounds really harsh, but, it's but, true. but this kind of selfish, narcissistic, egocentric, right. like it's all about me and I'm just going to only do things that serve me. I'm no. like, okay, like you'll be no. out of here. That's not here. what this is about. You're not in service of you. You're in service of the machine and mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we're kind of on industry talk. What is your process or your technique or your your technique of choice when it comes to acting? Are you do you do the method? Are you you know what what is your how do you prepare for a role? Sure. Um, so I'm not. I would not say I'm a method actor mm-hmm. by any means. Um, I 
have been studying at Beverly Hills Playhouse, mm-hmm. which is a very practical kind of school, which mm-hmm. I really appreciate. Um, I think that there's a lot of bullshit that goes into training. Um, or, you know, like that I just don't find necessary. Right. Like really you need to be connected to your body. It's really important to be connected to your body and your voice. I have a cold mm. right now, everyone. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> how dare you, you? And well, especially in this modern world where we're mm. all on our phones all the time mm-hmm. and, um, disconnected from our own bodies in mm-hmm. so many ways. Like a lot of actors don't have that mind body connection because yeah. they never, they're not familiar with it. Right. And that's really how you make a role work is you, you figure out how that character moves. You connect mm-hmm. it to the voice and, and boom, you've got it. There's no other work you have to do. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm very practical. I, um, I kind of have a checklist through Beverly Hills Playhouse. We have a sort of checklist that we do to analyze scripts. Mm-hmm. I definitely do script analysis. Um, you know, I figure out how I would move that character in my body. Mm-hmm. I figure out how that character sounds. Uh, but beyond that, um, I meditate. That is actually hugely helpful to my acting because mm-hmm. it takes all of the head voice out of my life mm-hmm. and just connects me into my body and right. makes things flow really well. Um, and that's kind of it. Uh, you know, people are going to have different suggestions. I'm, I'm practical for sure. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, you know, some people say, you know, I don't draw from my own life at all. Some people say I always think like, I'm going to think at this part, I'm going to think about this relationship that broke up because right. that will make me cry, right? right? People have wildly different ways to, oh, to deal these scripts. For me, it's like, I'm going to be cast in roles that I that I do have a connection to. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just how it works. Right. I'm not going to be cast in something that's like so far from my life experience. Acting is about connection and mm-hmm. about portraying humanity. So I do use my own life to some degree. I mean, right. it, at least to say like, you know... I know what this feels like, mm-hmm. right? If I'm looking at it, like I, I do, the sides I usually read for, for casting directors and agents and stuff are mm-hmm. sides from Twin Peaks, um, mm-hmm. uh, playing the role of Audrey, mm-hmm. who's a character I really connect to. And it's right. like, even if the circumstances of the scene are like totally nothing I've mm-hmm. ever experienced, I know what it feels like mm-hmm. to say like goodbye to someone, right? right? And it's, it's that simple. I think that just being honest is like all that it's about. And that starts in the body and, and then it comes out, it just comes out of you and doing too much over preparation or, or, um, you know, technique stuff mm. I think can really take away because you can tell when someone's acting, Yeah, when, acting. when someone is acting, which is mm-hmm. like, unfortunately mm-hmm. most of the acting yeah. you see, not in films and TV, but right. you know, in classes and auditions mm. and uh, workshops, like mm. I'm seeing a lot of acting. And, and, and I'm like, ew. I'm 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 the first, especially if I I love I've I've gotten since college I got into directing a lot and I found like I really enjoy yelling at actors. And, <laughs> and I, I wouldn't say I'm not a, a method, but I'm definitely someone that I I want to beat the pretending out of you, if that makes sense. Like I want you to not show me anger. I want you to be angry and just let it flow. No. Let the text just flow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this sort of like over preparation with auditions. Yeah. You know, a friend texted me recently who was like, "Hey, how do you deal with like getting direction in a in an audition? Like, does it mess you up when they give you an adjustment 
And I'm like, no, because that means I've overprepared. Yeah. If I'm if I'm you know stuck in the way the scene has to play out, mm-hmm. then I'm not doing a good job. Yeah. You know, we we posted a, a thing on our tw- uh, Instagram a while back that was kind of a, a meme that was like the quote, "You're you're just a blank." And you know, when you hear, especially I've talked to several actors, when people hear like, "You're just an actor," or "You just do acting," or "You just act," and I, and the the people that say that frustrate me because like you don't understand what an actor goes through. They're literally trying to recreate one of the most complicated beings on earth. We are complicated people. We have complicated emotions. It's not black or white. And anybody that looks at people as black or white is completely mistaken. We are all kinds of gray. And we, oh, absolutely. you know, there, there's emotions that run like, you know, if, if you look at a, an event as one emotion or one moment, that's not how it works. Most events, you go through a varying amount of emotions in a short amount of time. And so I always get frustrated. So kind of going where you being connected with your body and being loose and being willing to take in this, this person. And I think that's the biggest thing I, I have a problem with that I try to instill other people's understanding mm. understand this person don't don't try to play the person understand who they are and yeah. understand what's going on in the moment and then look at like you said kind of take a look at your life and go how does one process this moment and what's it like for a person to process this moment well and that's why like you know the best character actors who uh, play villains are mm-hmm. some of the best actors out there right? right um i often love these villainous creepy people in tv mm-hmm. like moriarty from sherlock oh, so good you know like, anything robert nepper does yeah. um also a great hero he's actually a mentor of mine so you know these act these character actors who kind of jealous yeah oh, he's nepper. he's a great guy um I find that their work is the most compelling because they're never approaching it. They're always the sweetest people in mm-hmm. person. Yeah, people always. Want. It's always these really villainous characters. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're, you're actually really the nice. The warmest, <laughs> most open, sweetest men. And it's because you're never going, I'm playing the villain. Yeah. No. Well, you're not, you're not, you're not in the wrong. You're not in the wrong. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're always approaching the character from like, I'm like, you know, you're having compassion mm-hmm. for this character and understanding what this character wants for the world and for themselves. And, and, you know, it's like, it's like even, you know, someone like David Tennant and like Jessica Jones, that's a undertaking. Oh, that, that, that probably one of the best superhero villain characters in forever. Absolutely. I mean, and if I'm actually getting goosebumps just mm-hmm. thinking about I recently how, rewatched it and he's, he's so good. It would be so stressful for me to play a character like that mm-hmm. just because of the sort of, like, this character's a rapist, mm-hmm. right? And, like, mm-hmm. just approaching from those labels, mm-hmm. like, I would be so intimidated mm-hmm. to bring humanity to this character. But he does it. Yeah. And and that's what the work is, is, like, you just have to have an open heart for anyone you're playing because you do know what it feels yeah. like. You know what it feels like to, you know, be hurt. You know what it feels like to, to want to hurt someone else right. to some degree. And like, it's kind of that simple. Right. And I think, you know, that's the beauty of acting is it's, it's really that simple right. and unbelievably hard. Well, taking, <laughs> taking that with acting, what, what do you believe that it, it, as simple as you could probably put it, I know this is going to be a big question. What do you feel as an actor's purpose? Just like that movie's a dog's purpose. But, <laughs> <laughs> but with an actors. I mean, I think that any storyteller's purpose is just to uh, connect us to our own humanity mm-hmm. and to um, 
opened open a window to other uh, other lives mm-hmm. um i kind of i don't like to differentiate acting from writing from mm-hmm. um filmmaking from right. lots of things i don't like to differentiate them that much right. because for me it's it's always just about connecting connection mm-hmm. connecting people making people feel something right um and opening opening a window to you know like something like the life the opening a window so people could have empathy for mm. for um lives and situations they've never they've never experienced right. you know that's why i think like it's so important to have like diverse stories yeah. because if you're only watching and reading stories about people whose lives are the same as yours, you're going to get really, really close minded. Yeah. Um, but again, that all comes back to empathy and connection. Um, right. I, I mean, I would also say that, and this is, this is a little more me, my thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's really important to me to show, to like, to be a part of, um, stories that have positive role models mm-hmm. and that doesn't always that doesn't never that never means portraying women who are like perfect right it means portraying like complicated messy women who like have a desire to do something and yeah. are resilient more than anything we're not we're again we're not one note right we're, we're not all, one note. we're all you can't you can never fully understand one person mm-hmm. ever and i and anybody that thinks that i know this person you'll never know that person to the to the, the infinity degree. Yeah. There's always going to be a mystery. There's always going to be a change, but it, it, I think I agree. I think I, I think you're right on. Now, what has? Can I just say one? Oh thing? yeah, yeah, please. I mean, I'm so sorry. I think I think that it's important to be humble. Yes. Sure. Right. It's mm-hmm. important to be humble. We are just actors. Mm-hmm. We are just writers. Whatever it is that we mm-hmm. are, we're just like people. You're just souls on this earth who are like taking like this chance to like maybe try art. Like, right. you know, whatever the souls, my soul right now is just right. like trying out being an actor um, right. for this turn. And that's cool. Like that gives me a sense of humility when I think of it <laughs> like that. But I also think that like, it's a really noble thing that mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. um, as, as entertainers, like obviously our, our world and culture like really loves entertainment, mm-hmm. but um, like something like television, which is what I'm most passionate about in the entertainment industry. Television is like, the great American pastime, mm-hmm. right? More than football. Sorry, Eagles. Like television <laughs> is like a national event of something like Game of Thrones or now This Is Us. Like, right. Uh. These characters are, are or superheroes mm-hmm. are the role models of our society. Mm-hmm. The Hollywood star system even is kind of done and it's mm-hmm. really characters and like these sort of personal narratives mm-hmm. that um, people connect to. You know, someone like Superman. I mean, this provides a standard for people mm-hmm. um, when our president doesn't, uh, <laughs> um, let's be real. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I think that it's, it's important to kind of hold loosely and, and be humble, but also recognize that like, like this is a huge part of the world mm-hmm. is storytelling. And, and mm-hmm. it can be easy to just connect from that when you're like, I just want to be on TV. That's so stupid and selfish. No, it's not. No. And think about fandom and Comic-Con and people mm-hmm. coming together because they're so passionate about a story and yeah. how much stories have changed your life and mm-hmm. mine. That's why we're here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I had role models growing up from TV or 
you know, watching Lost, which we both love, felt like a, uh, a safe place for me to get really excited mm-hmm. and invested in something when mm-hmm. other parts of my life were really boring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's a really noble thing that we do. Uh, now, how would you differentiate modeling and acting? Or is it the same thing, just in a different medium? Um, I'm much more passionate about acting, I would say, um, just because it's a little more it's a little more dense. Right. Um Depending, you know, depending on the work, though, mm-hmm. modeling can be really creative and really collaborative. And mm-hmm. and um, so it sort of depends on, on what the specific project is, because sometimes it feels like a money thing, just mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm just going to do this sh- T-shirt shoot. Right. And right. Then it's just fine. Um, so it's very it's very different. But when it's just like acting, I guess, when it's when it's going well, it's really going well. Mm-hmm. Like recently I had a shoot with this photographer and creative director makeup artist team that was just when it's in flow and you're with people who understand your aesthetic you just want to be there all day right um so it depends on the project um Mm. certain shoots i've done that have have felt really creative and like i was i was contributing something and there are Mm. certain ones where it's like i'm just showing off the clothes (laughs) i'm just i'm just i'm just doing it yeah um but it's it's it is like like right now, modeling is my primary income, right? And uh, and that's great to me. Like I, I really love doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you do uh, the the PR for Insight Acting. Um, I know. I, I think we. I want to save some of this for because uh, I would like to do kind of a big Insight Acting conversation with a lot of the people from it. I would love if we um, did that. And so you know, we, we've talked to AJ Meyer and and Trevor, and we're trying to get them together to just talk about podcasting in general. But I think having like a themed with every Jen and, 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 and everybody. Jen is so awesome. Yeah. I think having like building up to that, like an Avengers type thing would yes. be great. So I don't want to get too much in it. So I just kind of want to ask real quick, what are your thoughts on social media and especially how it relates to acting and branding and what are some tips maybe you have for people out there to amp up their social media or digital marketing game? Sure. I am. Um, I think you know, social media is a tool. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this a little bit before is that, you know, as actors, it's a tool that can really help us. Right. So if uh, I try to make it clear to friends, like mm. I, if you engage with my content, that is a way that you can be supporting me for free. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I think that it's cool that we have this sort of control, especially before you have your own agent and um, PR person, mm-hmm. you can really distill what your brand is and, and, and show that on Instagram and right. Twitter, um, which is something I, I take really seriously. I have a pretty like defined brand mm-hmm. and um, I've, it's, you know, noticeable that it's, it's streamlined through all of my content, through right. all of my social media profiles. I, you know, even though I run social media for podcasts, I will say like, I do find it extremely stressful mm-hmm. at times um, there's a lot of times where I put my phone away for hours at a time because mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to deal with it. And it's, it's also like, it can be a huge distraction. Yeah. Like social media is not the be all end all of being an actor or a model. Yeah. It's not, it's doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can get much, far too wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my main belief about acting and, and social media is both individually and as a unit together um, what matters is not having, what matters as an actor is not having, it was like not what roles you get mm-hmm. or, um, you know, who your agent is. Mm-hmm. It is actually your fan base. Yeah. And, um, 
and that doesn't necessarily just mean follower count, mm-hmm. but um, like having an engaged, supportive community around your work mm-hmm. is how you're going to consistently book work right. and how you're going to st- stay sane mm-hmm. during the, the dry periods. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it's just like a really, a really wonderful way to connect to fans and to right. connect to friends and, and, um, you know, like I'm always asking questions on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe I'm asking for advice on right. what should I read next or, right. or I'm, I'm having people talk about, you know, I, I often with even Instagram, I'm like adding questions to Trying my to posts. push engagement push and, engagement and engagement with in people a genuine, conversation. In a genuine way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all about community and, mm-hmm. um, something like the, the book, um, the art of asking by Amanda mm-hmm. Palmer really pushes this or, or crush it by Gary Vaynerchuk, another right. fav- favorite book of mine, uh, in terms of like community and, and social media. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's, um, it's really about community for me. So having instant access to people uh, is like a gift. Right. Absolutely. I think that's so true. And I, I, I'm the same way because I do a bulk of the social media for our show. And there definitely comes now where like I'll try to schedule by Wednesday, have the whole week scheduled of what's coming out so that Thursday and Friday I can put my phone away and not like t- this last Thursday and Friday I had I pretty much took like a social media break because mm-hmm. it does get to the point where I feel like I'm getting lost in this and I need, I need to be back in the real world for a little bit and and not lose myself in it, you know? And so I definitely get that. And I think it needs to be looked as a tool, but not your only tool or a main tool. It needs to be a part of your, your, your toolbox. Yeah. I think that's really, I think that's really, uh, like grounded perspective. Mm -hmm. And I really like that you said not your main tool. Cause I, I I mean, I do take it seriously, but Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be my main tool. I just, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, let's kind of wrap up this first part a little bit. Sure. Um, what are you working on right now? What's what's kind of other? You know, obviously you talked about the real. This is a real. Um, are there anything else you're working on right now? Yeah. So this is a real is you know is a big focus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, a film I just did is going through festivals and has been winning some awards lately. Mm-hmm. And then I'm really looking forward to which you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. a film I did called Alone with Company. Absolutely. Being finished soon and hopefully going to festivals as well. Mm-hmm. That's this film alone with company is um about a 30 minute so it's extended short and it's a like queer fantasy um film that's like it takes place in the middle of the woods and it's it's uh it's something i feel really passionate about because it's a really beautiful story Mm -hmm. and it's um really dark and it's obviously relevant to a lot of the conversations that we're having about like in politically about homophobia Mm -hmm. and and violence against right. queer people. But um, I'm very excited for that to be coming out soon because beyond just like, it's a good story and I'm proud of my work in it. The the crew and cast of that film, we love each other so much. We came together randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was basically hired because I've been friends with the director on Facebook for years. Mm-hmm. And he's just sort of like thought of me right. and never worked with him before. And it was the most perfect cast and crew I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unheard of. This The day that we had on set that we filmed this really, really dark scene mm-hmm. that I was in where I'm, I I had um, like full latex, my face busted up, bleeding right. everywhere. It was an emotionally heavy, heavy day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was one of the best days of my life. Yeah. Even though, even with all the real emotions that comes mm-hmm. with that kind of scene, mm-hmm. because everything just flowed so perfectly. And I just, I want to do more work like that. And I want to celebrate that when it comes out, because this feeling of work of, um, people getting really passionate about, uh, uh, project and and really genuinely being there because they care Mm -hmm. that's possible you know it's not people just showing up for a paycheck all the time and it's not people complaining they believe in it there there are i've been on sets where we all really believe in what we're doing and wow that's amazing what yeah what a magical feeling and i just want to create more work like that absolutely so knowing that that can exist and having been on a few projects like that in the past like i just want to keep doing that forever that's awesome yeah um where can people find you sure if look you up um i mean you can check out my website www.gracegordonofficial.com <laughs> i use instagram more than anything else mm-hmm. social media wise when's the underground website grace gordon unofficial grace gordon have? unofficial the I punk mean, it website could already be there <laughs> the underground website <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the fan site yeah. yeah i like it so I, I use Instagram more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really like it as a medium. So Grace Gordon official on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm underscore Grace Gordon underscore because there are too many characters. I'm Grace yeah. Gordon official for Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't use Twitter that much. Mostly I just use it to talk about book stuff yeah. because it's just like an easier format. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really open. I love engaging with people online. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you post talk. some really great stuff, like really great Thank shots. You. And you definitely, and I like just, if you, if you're a book person and you want book suggestions, just follow her feeds because yeah. she's always throwing out different books and different things to read, and also looking for suggestions totally. for things to read. So. Yeah, there's a ton. If you're ever looking for book suggestions, I'm off, I'm welcome to just offering them yeah. specifically for what you're looking for. But man, there's just so much free education that we have available mm-hmm. to us. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, she's my go-to it. now. If I'm like, I need a book. Grace, what are you reading? What do I need to read? <laughs> that so, makes me so happy. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this part one. Uh, and I know you're going to hang out and we're going to do a, a roundtable discussion. Um, and I'm incredibly looking forward to that. And just thank you so much for your time and your openness and your honesty and just being an amazingly positive and energetic person. Thank you so much. It was no such problem. an honor to be asked to do this. Yeah, I know nice. that I'm new and I was like, I do feel like I have some stuff to share. <laughs> so I'm Everybody's really got a story. And, 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 and it's about the hustle and you definitely hustle. Hustle, so. And I do hope that people, you know, like shoot a tweet out or something about their thoughts because I'd yeah. love to talk more with people about Absolutely. anything they think, whether they agree or like totally disagree <laughs> with something I, I don't, said. She was wrong about that. Yeah, I'll be wrong. like, okay, okay, let's talk about it. Oh, uh, well, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. And back to you guys in the studio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you got the chance to listen to our interview with Grace Gordon. She was so kind to sit with us and and sit with me for such a long time to chat about uh, her thoughts about where she's from and where she's come from and also about what we talk about in Act Two. Um, I just want to talk about a few things which she mentioned in this episode. First is this conception of or misconception that people who maybe do a GED instead of going the regular route of high school and college are not as smart as other people. And Grace, you know, dropped out at 15 and got her GED later on. And she's one of the most well-read people and one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I think it's just that continual idea. Don't judge a book by their cover and what they've been through. You don't know their lives. You don't know what they've done. They may have worked their butt off to learn what they can independently. And so it's just always remembering that you don't know a person right away. You need to take that time to figure out who they are. You know, and and, and it's kind of like food. You may say, oh, I don't like that. But once you try it, maybe you will. You know, who knows? And then also kind of talking about 
also talking about, you know, the idea of what it takes to be an actor in L.A. and an actress in L.A. and the things you have to go through and the money you have to spend and the classes you have to take. It was really interesting. And, and, and just seeing that side more from a working actor just really hit. It, it, it's expensive, man, and it's tough. And, you know, Godspeed to those that are really out there hustling that acting life, you know respect it's really it's really hard and so i as a writer it's not as much except you know paying to submit to contests and fellowships that's the that's where the money goes for that but um respect to all the actors out there so we hope you enjoyed that please make sure to email us hollywood hustle podcast at gmail.com with any extra questions you have for grace or any other other guests uh uh, present, future, or past, we're more than happy to send it to them. We want to see your behind the scenes or onset or hustle photos. Make sure you send those to us. And if you have any just questions for me or Michael, send them our way. Or if you have a hustle to share, just like we shared a Wastelands Tell Kickstarter, please send it to us. We're more than happy to share other people's work and what they're doing. Um, it's our pleasure on, on an honor to do that, to be one of those people speaking out for you. Uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram, Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Every Friday around 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, we do an IG Live, me and Michael, or just me or just Michael, depending on who's available. And usually we either have a guest or it's me and Michael talking to everybody about what we're, we've been up to or a specific topic. We've talked about the Oscars. We've talked about uh, uh, downtimes and how to lift yourself up. This last time we talked about meditation. And this coming week, we will have a special guest who is a new team member to Hollywood Hustle. So we're excited to introduce her on Instagram Live this coming week. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at LA Hustlecast and on uh, Facebook, Hollywood Hustle Podcast. We want to just see your hustle. We want to see what you're doing. We want to hear from you. We want to connect with you. And make sure you go on and leave us a review on iTunes, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show. That always helps. And check out a Wasteland Tales Kickstarter. We're super excited to share them and what they're doing. We hope they make it. And next week, we have Grace Gordon, Act 2. Michael was not able to make this one, so again, it's just me and Grace. Uh, we talk about diets and health and body image and how, you know, Michigan 10 is a LA hustle, LA 3, and I say that with air quotes, that kind of thing. We talk about is the image of what a beautiful person, is that changing in Hollywood and around the world, or is it staying the same? And what do you have to do to stay healthy and look fit and look a certain way to be an actor? Or do you have to do that for a writing role or just in business in general? We talk about bullying and body shaming. It's a really great conversation. We also talk about books, audiobooks, and books. So make sure you listen next week to Grace Gordon 2. We love you guys. Thank you. And please remember to keep up the hustle. This episode was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Gordon Meacham is our associate producer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information, visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. Hollywood Hustle.